scripture reading is from John chapter 14 from verses 7 to 12 If you really know me you will know my father as well from now on you do not know him and have seen him Philip said Lord show us the father and that will be enough for us Jesus answered don't you know me Philip even after i have been among you such a long time anyone who has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the show us the father don't you believe that i am in the father and that the father is in me the words i say to you i do not speak on my own authority rather it is the father living in me who is doing his work believe me and when i say that i am in the father and the father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves very truly i tell you whoever believes in me will do the works i have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because i am going to the father again before god and pray there is a popular phrase which says seeing is believing seeing is believing but is that true what if i could see god what would that do for my faith what that would that do for your faith if only you could see god now does god understand that we would like to see him the answer is yes god does understand that we would love to see him Has he done anything about that? The answer is yes. Jesus addresses that issue in these verses that we've read from John 14. Jesus said in verse 7, "If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him." but Philip didn't get it. He didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And in verse 8, Philip said, "Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us." All this talk about you know me, you know my Father, and from now on you know him and have seen him. could we not just simply see the father and that will be enough for us that will change everything for us now a good teacher always listens carefully to the question that they're being asked and Jesus is the very best of teachers and the very best of listeners We might feel a little impatient with Philip, but I don't. I get what he is saying. Now this is a difficult thing to to hold in our hearts. It's one thing to explain what these words mean. It's quite another thing to allow that truth to settle in our hearts so that it will make a real day-to-day difference. to the way that we think the way that we feel and the faith that we have Jesus has said that because you know me 
you know my father as well. But Philip is asking for more than that. He wants more than words. He wants to have more than just know. He wants to see. Just a simple sight of the Father. That's all I'm asking. And that is going to be enough for us all. You have asked us to believe in God, believe in Jesus, and let not our hearts be troubled. You have told us that in knowing you, we know the Father. Now, I can see a great honesty in Philip here as he tries to stretch his faith to take it all in, the things that he has been facing and what they are about to face. Jesus is about to die. Judas is about to betray him. Peter, one of the main disciples, is just about to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe they're all going to die. Lord, it's an awful lot to take in. If we could just see the Father, then it'll be all right. That'll make it easier to understand, easier to have confidence. You see, there are times when God seems so remote, so untouchable, that we really wish that we could see him. You only have to look at the experience of the psalmist to see how many times he felt the need to experience the presence of the Lord. He cried out many times in his loneliness. Now when trials come and we feel alone, we feel, wouldn't it be great to hear the voice of God when a decision has to be made, wouldn't it be great if a finger would write the answer on the wall? Something for us to see. Something to reassure us. Perhaps the voice of God making things clear to us. Reassuring us in a very clear way that it's all right. We feel that living for God would be so much easier if God would only show himself to us. Do you ever feel that God is holding out on us, making it more difficult for us by denying us the experience of seeing him? I think that's a little bit of what Philip is feeling. And he's probably giving voice to the very question that the other disciples are feeling right at this very moment. Philip's question was asked in the context of Jesus talking about us knowing God. So the question was provoked by what Jesus said. In verse 6, Jesus had taught that he was the only way to God. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then in verse 7, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. What does this verse teach you? 
How better informed are you after reading this verse? A good teacher often says something that is not intended to give you a full understanding, but just enough to stop you in your tracks and make you think. And that is the most difficult thing to do. To get us to stop long enough to think. And Jesus spoke as he did in order to provoke this question from Philip. If they felt remote from God at this moment, after he was taken from them, then they would be plunged into a greater sense of darkness and despair. So Jesus is preparing them. Jesus introduces the subject in order to teach them that they have already seen the Father, and from this time forward, they will always know him. We often fix our thoughts upon wanting to see with our own eyes. And Jesus is a gentle teacher here with Philip. Jesus teaches Philip what it really means to see God and how we see him. Jesus, first of all, begins with the, the limitations of the kind of seeing that Philip is asking for. Philip's conviction was that they would know God if they could only see him. And Jesus said in verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? You have been with me and seen me over these past few years, yet you still do not know me. You're asking to see the Father, thinking that that sight is going to help your faith. But you have seen me day after day after day, and yet you still do not know me. So what good has your seeing been to this moment? You see, seeing is not believing. You have seen me all this time, but the kind of seeing hasn't enabled you to know me. What do you think it is going to do for you then, Philip, if I show you the Father? The kind of seeing that Philip had in mind did not lead to true knowledge, faith, or belief. Now, this is hard for the disciples, and it's hard for us, difficult for us to grasp. It's easier to understand the words, but very difficult to embrace the impact of what Jesus is teaching here. Because, you see, we often return to the idea that it would be good to have a physical sensation, a sight, a vision, or a dream, or even to hear God's voice. Especially if we're in a pickle. If we're having to make difficult decisions, perhaps even life-changing decisions, we would love it if God would just make the answer clear so that we could get on 
and make the choice. But God never makes it that clear. But he gives us the wisdom in order to enable us to make good decisions and best decisions. What do you think it is going to do for you if you see the Father? The kind of scene that Philip had in mind is not going to develop his faith. We are very like Philip. We, most of us, have walked with the Lord Jesus Christ for a long time, for many years. But then a new event happens, a new circumstance crops up, and we feel that we no longer know the Lord, that we're alone. Peter, James, and John saw a great deal on the Mount of Transfiguration. If we had been there on the Mount of Transfiguration, my, we would just be touring the world, writing books, telling people about the life-changing experience that we had on the Mount of Transfiguration. How much good did that scene do them? Well, what, what of Peter? He was one of the disciples up, up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter went on to deny the Lord. What of James? Well, James deserted the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. What about John? Well, he didn't really believe in Jesus at all until after the resurrection. So if Philip gets to see God the Father... What good is seeing going to be to him? Because seeing is not believing. The proper kind of seeing is seeing who Jesus really is and understanding the work that the Lord Jesus Christ has come to do. There is a kind of seeing that is centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. And to see Jesus in this way is to see the Father. You recall how Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John's Gospel, chapter 3, about the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. To see Jesus is seeing the Lord Jesus Christ with our understanding. To see Jesus is coming to know Jesus as a result of seeing him, understanding him, knowing him, and coming to know the Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have an illustration in this gospel of different kinds of seeing. After the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the body was put in the tomb, when Peter and John come to the tomb, John outran Peter, and he was the first to arrive at the tomb. And John uses here three different Greek words Foreseeing, and the first one is found in John 20 and verse 5. When John came to the tomb, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. So John looked and saw the strips of linen lying on the floor. This was just a simple act of looking, seeing. But just after that, Peter caught up with John and charges into the tomb 
Then in, in verse 6 it says, Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. He saw the strips of linen, but the word that's used here is a little bit stronger than the one that was used in verse 5. The word for seeing here is he saw and was puzzled. It means that he looked and was puzzled over the scene. Why are the grave clothes lying there before his eyes? But there was no body. What does this mean? If somebody had taken the body, why did they not take the grave clothes as well? And then we read in verse 8, Finally, the other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. John looks for the second time. Only the word that he now uses for seeing is to see with the understanding. He saw and he believed. And that's the kind of seeing that Jesus wants Philip to have, to see with the understanding and to believe. John could see that the only possible explanation for the grave clothes led out in the orderly way and the body missing, the only plausible account for that is resurrection. And he remembered that Jesus said that he would rise on the third day. And he saw now with new understanding and he believed that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead just as Jesus had said. This word for seeing is a word that Jesus uses when he says in verse chapter 14 and verse 9, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you see me in this kind of seeing that you see and you believe, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you can see with the understanding who Jesus is, then you will see with the understanding, my Father in heaven, the one who perceives Jesus also perceives the Father. You see, we think we're at some way of a disadvantage over the disciples that walked with the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're not. Because all that companionship with the Lord Jesus Christ that Philip had over years, and seeing him in the flesh did not do anything for him until Philip can finally see with the understanding and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he has gone to the cross, and on the cross he has died for our sins, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again from the dead, and John comes and he looks at the empty tomb and he sees the grave clothes laid out in order. 
he saw and he believed. Philip had physically seen Jesus, but soon he would not see Jesus in that way. Today we do not see Jesus physically, but we need to learn to see Jesus with our understanding and believe in him. Because this is the very best way to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are not at a disadvantage over the disciples because we knew Jesus the way that Jesus wants us to know him. Now, while the words seeing and believing appear quite frequently in the first part of our reading, that gives way to the use of the word believe. Verses 11 and 12 of chapter 14. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And when I go to the Father, I am going to send the Holy Spirit who will take up residence in your lives. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth so that enabled by the Holy Spirit, you will know Jesus. You will see me. You will know the Father. And you have seen the Father because we have seen with our understanding. To truly see the Lord, we must believe. Now remember why or how John describes his reason for writing this gospel. We don't have to speculate as to what the purpose of John's gospel is because John tells us in John 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, we sometimes think that that's just a verse for evangelism. It's useful in evangelism, but it's a verse for us Christians. And as we go over the gospel and learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ, these lessons are to enable us to believe more in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to be stuck as infants in Christ, but to grow up as men and women in Christ. What does God want out of us tonight? He wants us to believe. Earlier in the gospel, Jesus rebuked the people because in John 4:48 he says, "Unless you people See signs and wonders, Jesus told him. You will never believe. You see, there was a, what they had was a, a mentality which said seeing is believing. But Philip is also guilty of that kind of thinking. When he says in verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Well, you've been looking at me for years says the Lord Jesus Christ. And where has that got you to? You still do not know me. There is a sight that I want you to have, a kind of seeing that I want you to engage in, 
so that you will see me and know me, and seeing me and knowing me, you will see and know the Father. Jesus talks about belief in his words and belief in his works. Believe what I have said. Believe what I have done. Our faith is belief in a living, risen Lord Jesus Christ. It's faith in a person, but it is also faith in believing what that person has said and what that person has done. <coughs> I've heard people say of others that they believe that they have a faith. And it's usually said in a very vague kind of way, and it usually describes a very vague kind of faith. There is nothing vague about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a faith that lays hold of the words that Jesus has spoken and lays hold of the works that the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And we believe in Jesus. We believe in his words. We believe in his works. Sometimes we disappoint ourselves because of how small our faith is. But our small faith is not the object of faith. Christ is the object of our faith. We have a mighty Christ who has spoken mighty words, who has done mighty works, and our faith, however small, is faith in a great, mighty Christ. We get to heaven because of what Christ has done. Because of the promises that the Lord Jesus Christ has given. In itself, faith is worthless. But faith in Christ, that is our salvation. My salvation is not built on my faith. My salvation is built upon Christ, upon what Christ has said, and upon what Christ has done. Now there's a further aspect to the mistake that Philip has made. In asking Jesus to show them the Father, Philip, in a inappropriate way is dissociating the Father from the person of Jesus. Driving a wedge between Jesus and the Father. So he has made two fundamental mistakes. He has invested too much in the request to have a physical sight of the Father, thinking that that would make the difference, thinking that that would change things for him. And he did not understand that separating Jesus, God the Son, and God the Father in the way that he did, in the way that is implied in the question that he asked, that that was wrong. Now, Jesus could have denounced him. But Jesus is well aware of how vulnerable he is at this particular time. They have been in the upper room. 
And Jesus has been saying some incredible things. Over this previous week, the Lord Jesus Christ has been unfolding to them how he must go to Jerusalem, how the Son of Man must die, how he will be raised again from the dead. The impact, the enormity of that kind of message. Here is their leader, their teacher, and he's going to be taken away from them. You see, they had hoped that the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Messiah, was coming as a powerful political figure and that he was going to grant relief and liberty to the nation. And it's now all going to end in a way that they had never conceived, that it's ending in death, and a shameful death at that, death on a cross. No Roman citizen would ever be crucified because their citizenship meant that they would be given a more dignified form of death. Only the outcast and the criminal and the cursed were ever put upon a cross. And here their leader, their teacher, the miracle worker, the parable teller, the Messiah is going to the cross. One of their close-knit number is going to betray him. The leader of the group, unofficially, Peter, is going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ and all of the disciples are going to flee away. And even the writer of this gospel doesn't get it until he saw the empty tomb and the grave clothes. So there's an awful lot for them to take in. And so at that moment in time, Philip is grasping for something that he can hold on to. What Jesus has said to him is really stretching his faith. The things that Jesus has unveiled to the disciples, they are troubling. This is a calamity beyond all calamities that they have ever faced in their life before. They are shaken. Their hearts are troubled. They are disturbed. And Philip says, look, just one thing. Could I see the Father? And Jesus is really saying, no. There's something better than that. I'm not giving you the second class package here. Jesus said, I am, I am showing you the kind of seeing that will bless you, that will encourage you, that will give you that faith to enable you in the days to come to be my witnesses here upon earth. Because to see Jesus Christ in this way is to know who Jesus Christ is. And to see Jesus Christ in this way is to see the Father and to know who the Father is. I think the Lord Jesus Christ has dealt very gently here with Philip. And Jesus initiates or provokes the question out of Philip. 
because he knew what was in the disciples' hearts. And he wants to hear the question asked in order that he can deliver the answer. Because Jesus wants to bless his people. He has written this gospel in order that you might see and believe. In order that we might increase in our faith. Not that a big faith for us is going to secure anything. But a faith in a Christ that we see greater every day. A Christ in whom we learn more and more. As the Holy Spirit enables us to grasp what promises Christ has given us in his word. God wants to bless us. And God has blessed us in giving us his word. He also blesses us in allowing us to come to the table. Enabling us to see with the understanding. Now when we think of this kind of seeing and we ask ourselves the question am I capable of that? Can I see and believe in that way? And we sort of tremble a little bit and we feel no that is too difficult for me. We have to realize that our faith in a great Christ, no matter how small that faith is, that does not make Christ smaller. Christ is great. And it is this great Christ, the Son of God, who calls us to come to his table, who invites us to come to take bread, to take cup, and to remember his death until he comes. I think I always say when we come to the table, I, I point to you that we come from the word to the, to the table. That we come from the word to the sacraments. And the Christ that we get in the word is the same Christ that we get in the sacrament. And here is something that we can see. A visible thing that Christ has given us. That as we take bread and drink from the cup, that God, through the Holy Spirit, strengthens our weak faith because he wants us to grow. We look upon this while we're doing many things. But one of the things that we're doing, by faith, we're feeding upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You think of 
how the gospel message has been changed in some churches where they say that the Lord Jesus Christ came to deal with poverty and to deal with injustice. But that's not all, and it's not even the main part. The Lord Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, to make atonement for our sins. So a body broken and a blood shed brings us back again to what is at the very center of our faith. Jesus Christ, the person. Jesus in his words and Jesus in his works. And that great work of going to the cross in order that he might provide a table that we call the Lord's table, that he might invite us to come to participate. Now, you sometimes may wonder, why is it that we have one guy to the right and one guy to the left at the Lord's table? Is it just so that they're handy to be here for me to hand over bread and the cup to them? No, there's a symbolism here. That as the elders of the church gather around the table... We are representing the whole of the church gathered around the table. And it's as if we're all gathered around the table. We come down from the central place of preaching the word of God. So that minister and elders were now all on that same level coming as redeemed sinners to take bread and to take the cup to show forth the Lord's death until he comes.